This episode is brought to you by Indie Insights. Indie Insights is our bi-weekly newsletter and love note to the film industry, movies, and the creatives that make them, not to mention you, our esteemed listeners. Inside, you'll find curated industry trends, articles, exclusive commentary, and underappreciated films from filmmakers like you worldwide. And the best part is that it is completely free. So join today at www.bonsai.film. It takes just a few seconds. And once you sign up, you'll get the very next newsletter on Friday morning. It's that simple. Go to www.bonsai.film to get Indie Insights, our bi-weekly newsletter, and join a network of film creatives just like yourself. And don't worry, we'll never sell your information or spam you with a bunch of nonsense emails, just the bi-weekly film industry goodness you need. And if you ever tire of Indie Insights, simply unsubscribe. No gimmicks, no games. So go to www.bonsai.film to get Indie Insights for free. Listening to Make It, a podcast by Bonsai Creative that helps creatives in film get where they're going faster by sharing the advice, knowledge, and insights of professional creatives across the film industry. I'm your host, Chris Barkley, and with me today is my good friend and Make It podcast co-host, Nicholas Bugs. Chris here with another episode of the Make It Podcast, and this is an Indie Talk week, and that means I am drunk. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. That, that means I'm here with my good friend and co-founder of Bonsai Creative, Nicholas Bugs. It doesn't mean I'm not drunk. Uh, it does mean that Nick is here. So, Nick, say hello. You're just drunk with happiness, bro. I that's am. what it I is. Am. I am. <laughs> drunk with joy. You know, that's, I think that's what it is. I don't want this audience to think that I'm a lush. Mm. You know, I mean, it's not that you don't want to be a lush. It's just, you don't want them to think that you are. I get it. It makes yeah. sense. I want to, I want yeah. to keep my good name. Now, the, the thing is, is I no, I'm not drinking anything right now, but it feels that way because of um, what kind of day it's been. And, um, I did. I, we have received feedback that people like when we promote the what we're drinking. It gives them ideas of what to buy later, and when they're having their gatherings, I have those recommendations. I just don't have them ready right now. I, I should probably just do one show, Nick, or we should do a show where we just run down the list, but. Today was was a wild day because last week, and some people who who know me really well know this, but generally I stay pretty private. Uh, one of the people that work uh, in in one of our companies, uh, her name is Brittany Shook, uh, passed away. Thirty four years old, cancer, which sounds. Un, unreal to me. Today Terrible. was the yeah, yeah. Today was the visitation. Now, the visitation obviously is where you go see the body in the casket. But they were kind of blending the visitation and the, I guess they're they're called the funeral, a celebration of life, all together. And I I wasn't going to be able to go to the second part. Um, but I wanted to make sure I showed up, hugged her mom, said all the things, did all the things. And we could go into how a black funeral is different than Brittany, by the way, Brittany Shook is, is a, was a black girl. Uh, we could go into how they're different than other kind of funerals, but I'll save that for another indie talk. Just yeah. know that it's different. But, but, I'll, but I'll bring that up to say, well, not only just to say she was a wonderful person, a lot of energy, 
very fit. It wasn't one of those things where you look at her and say, oh, she wasn't healthy. Everything that wasn't going right health-wise for her was all internal. You couldn't tell from the outside that anything, not even in spirit, could you tell. So it was it was wild. But I bring up the visitation because we go, we the living, we go to a visitation because we recognize that it will be the last time we see our loved one. Even though they're in the casket, we know it's going to be, that's it. We want that lasting memory. One more, one more look. But here's the thing. You want the funeral people to do a good job. Sometimes you go to the visitation and see someone in the casket and they don't look anything like your memory of who they were, what they look like. And that's so disconcerting and disheartening because that's it. You're going to remember that. That's your last visual of that person. And the way our brains work, it, it can, it can replace or dominate uh, that image you used to have. And, you know, the only thing you can do is kind of look at photographs and try to eliminate the memory, like almost severance style. If you've been watching that on Apple, which is a great show, uh, the memory of seeing them in the casket the wrong way. My friend Rondell uh, passed away a few years ago, motorcycle accident. They did a great job on him. He looked just like Rondell in the casket. I was like, that's my boy, Rondell. He looked gotcha. just yeah. like him. But she didn't look anything like herself. Um, yeah, I'm sorry to hear that, man. That Yeah, that changed your whole experience right there. And I'm sure it wasn't just you, right? I'm sure it was others as well kind of felt that same vibe from it and might have done the same thing that you were just talking about right it's like go look at some pictures right that's that's not the memory that they wish to take with them of course it's a it's a terrible time anyway but yeah that's i can imagine that was a that was a tough one yeah man you you um you know you you just you just want to do it better like like you just want better for them that that's Mm -hmm. all and and you want you selfishly want that that last thing to be how you anticipated it was going to be, and it, and it wasn't. But you know, the, I heard the celebration of life was great. They did a balloon release, which was it looked amazing. Like there were so many balloons in the okay. sky. Now I don't know what that does for the environment. Nick. <laughs> I don't. Like, it's the wrong. Like, yeah, there's, I know, like, I like there's time and place. Like there's the wrong time to question it. Like, yeah, that was like, the, the, I was just going to say that. I was like, ah, uh, <laughs> this isn't the time I get it. I, you get the spirit of it. Yeah. You don't want to be the guy or gal who like 200 balloons go in the sky. And you're like, you know, that's going to be really bad for the lakes and rivers guys. Right. Yeah. You know, that's no, you know, bring it up then, but you know, you do wonder sometimes, you know, <laughs> yeah, where, where do those things come down? <laughs> you know, they got to land somewhere. Right. Yeah, and exactly. can you imagine, I mean, that would be, well, especially in the, in the world of the, the interwebs, yeah, that would be a really interesting thing, right? Is basically hashtag a balloon fell on me. It's got to fall on somebody. I've never seen the balloon just sitting there. When I was in elementary school, we went outside as a class. We wrote a letter saying who we were and what this balloon was. We tied it to our balloon and we let it go. And the whole goal was to see how many would get found, who would write back. And I don't remember how many wrote back, but it was very, very few. Very, very few yeah, I can imagine. found their balloon. And the reason I bring that up is, and the trees truly tall, was one of the ones that got... Do you realize that... <laughs> I, now I say it out loud, it feels silly. I feel like I'm telling a lie. Cause it doesn't seem possible, but they found my balloon like really far away. Uh, like South Africa. Yeah. Like Ukraine, <laughs> like, like really far away and, and, and months wrote, written back months later. And so now that I look back on it, maybe I'm getting the details fuzzy. Maybe they found, maybe a Ukrainian found it in North Carolina or something like that. 
But that stuff is fun. And look, if you if you want to just do one big helium balloon, do that with your kids. It's a really cool thing to do. Have them write a note, create a fun little note. You laminate it so it survives. Mm. Okay. And now you can get lamination sheets. So you don't even need the machine or the heat press or anything. So you just get the lamination sheets pressed really hard. You're good to go. Tie to a balloon. Let it go. And wait. <laughs> see, see, like what comes back. You don't know what will come back. It's kind of exciting. There's kind of like an intrigue to it. Right? Yeah, but that seems too real. It seems too tactile. It seems <laughs> too difficult. I mean, you're, you're talking about... You know, we're in 2022, you know, you just, you just said, write something. I mean, can I just put an emoji on the page? Um, yeah. You said I have to laminate. It, what, what is that? Is that made of plastic of some sort? There's a balloon helium, you say, hold on. Let me, let me look on Instagram and find out what that is because I'm, I'm it's too tactile, man. It's too real. What are you talking about? Is that a thing that we do these days? Do children go outside? That's Ooh. a thing still. Ooh. Like they, they've seen the light. They, they like, they, they know what clouds look like. Do children go out Do children go yeah, outside? I mean, this is crazy talk. You're, you know, they balloons. go outside, they go outside much, much less. And, yeah. and that could be uh, because the parents were smarter. It could be that, uh, phones, and just, <laughs> which is what I think it is. But, um, like you, you said, want, the you, parents you, are smarter. Well, there's still just, like, kids okay, don't go outside. Did you, did you watch hey, the I'm black a... phone yet with Ethan Hawke? No, no. Okay. So I watched it and, um, it was pretty good. I, it wasn't necessarily a slasher movie. Like you think it was, you might see Ethan Hawke's face twice in the whole movie. That was a little disappointing. He's such a tremendous actor. Uh, it is creepy. Uh, I described it like what would happen if True Detective Season 2 saw and Stranger Things had a baby. That's kind of what it's like. Hmm. It's a kidnapping movie, okay? So, spoiler alert. I don't think I'm giving anything away. No, I think it was in the trailer. It's in the trailer. It's a kidnapping movie. And when I say parents are smarter, I just don't mean the parents, but the world is a smarter place. They had to put this movie in the 70s because there would be too many plot points to overcome. Not plot points. There'd be too many uh, sort of pitfalls in the plot to try to overcome, obstacles in the plot to overcome, to write a kidnapping story today. Today. Yeah, like you can't have like the mysticism. You can't have these characters that do certain things. It only can exist before the internet. Gotcha. At least in that way, right? Yeah. And back then, it was possible to be the neighborhood kidnapper, just like it was possible to father an entire family just two streets away from your other family. Right, right. Yeah. And you can't do that anymore because the internet would give you away like right away. Yeah. 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 And and the devices are too smart along with the parents. Right. Mm. Yeah. Like if so I step 30 feet away from my outside. AirPods, my phone's going bananas. Like, yeah, oh, right. You left those AirPods behind. You better get those AirPods. It's not under warranty. You just, you just, you just made me laugh too. You, you step 30 feet away from your kid. Nothing happens. <laughs> Nothing happens. Nobody wants your kid. We can't get we can't get anybody to have kids anymore. <laughs> right. It's like I don't want your kid, dude. I want no. your AirPods. So I want your AirPods. <laughs> now Fousey and it's hilarious around this town. It's hilarious. What artist do you think you're most surprised are famous? Or that made it, and and what artists are you most surprised didn't blow up? Like, I'll give you an example. Go for it, Jamiroquai. <laughs> <laughs> when Virtual Insanity came out, that's such a geek answer. But when Virtual 
Insanity came out, I thought Jamiroquai was going to be gigantic, like for the rest of my life. And it's just like he had virtual, and I think that's what it's called, virtual insanity, that single yet. He just did it, and it just kind of, he just, he just, he's still making music, but he just kind of, he, his fame just kind of went away. Hmm. He just like made it, like it just, that was all he had. That was, that was what it was. Yeah, I mean, there's so many reasons for that, right? Like, there's so many things happening behind the scenes. Yeah. That you just don't know about, you know, whether it's business-wise or personal. Like, you have no clue what goes on in these people's lives and, you know, what makes it so that they can continue versus not continue. I mean, I think about that, you know, outside of music and film. I think about it in sports. How is it possible you never get hurt, right? Or never get hurt in the meet, like in a serious way that you don't get taken out. You can play for 20 years, you know, it's like, how's that even a thing? Yeah. You know, I, I play sports, you know, and especially, you know, I played before played, you know, um, competitive soccer. It's like people are coming after your ankles, like crazy. They're coming after your legs. You know, I had a guy, one of my teams get his, you know, his leg broken, but that was from behind, right? There's nothing he could have done to prevent that from happening. And then you have these people who, you know, go on for, like I said, 20 plus years, never getting an injury like that. Like, how is that even thing? But yeah, so you never know. It's just, there's so many things that can happen in a person's life to either take them up or take them down. When Tom Brady wrote TB 12 method, everybody was laughing at him. No one's laughing now. No, no one. <laughs> Liability, son. Yeah. Stretch that shit out. Press the blood towards the heart, always towards the heart, as Tom says. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, well, the whole premise of the book is, is everybody else in the league goes for big muscles and everybody gets hurt, is what Tom says. Yeah. Yep. So he said, why not do the opposite? Like, why not try not so hard to bulk up, but try to actually mimic the way muscles feel and are, which is like a rubber band. Mm-hmm. So Bruce Lee said, be like water. Tommy said, be like the rubber band. Like, and there's something to it. Cause here he is. There, well, there is see, the longevity. And you know, He's when you, you pay your line and you pay your own line to, you know, everybody does it. Even the suckiest quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah. Just don't, don't let them through, bro. Which I hate saying sucky quarterback because there is no such thing as a sucky quarterback if you're getting paid to play that that position. Yeah, at that level. Yeah. It's like we yeah. take that. Well, let, me, let, me, let me throw one but, at but, you real yeah, quick. But, but yeah, it go made, back me, to the question. Let me throw one. You tangent. Yeah, so the back to the question on on the the not made it is a is a guy who who did kind of make it. He just didn't fully make it. And that's this is in music and it's in Mark Nelson. Oh, like, Mark Nelson. Mark, why is it Mark Nelson yeah, bro. bigger? And, and that's the thing. It's like, I think for him, there might've always been a chip on his shoulder, right? So here's the thing that people might not know is that Mark Nelson was one of the original folks in Boys to Men. Right. Like he was in that, he was in that group, dude. You know what I'm saying? Like, and then he's like, nah, I'm out. Probably because he was like, I'm better than you guys, right? I, like I'm out and I'm gonna go do my solo thing. And then Boys to Men hit. Mm-hmm. and he had to have had a chip on his shoulder. Like it, you can't not like, God, I missed that. Like, yeah, man. And then, you know, he did his thing. He was part of as yet. And they had like two tracks, you know, that, that yeah, hit. maybe more than two, but they, but they were that hit They you could arguably say, or even more than arguably say they were the best singing group from a singing perspective. Yeah, maybe uh, so. I, I mean, mean, they were probably you know, better singing range. Boys to Men because their bass guy could outsing Michael McCrary. Well, that's what I was going to say. He could definitely, you know, he could definitely outsing him. But yeah, I will say that again. They had two tracks that really hit that for really them. Hit. Yeah. But besides that, he left them and he did his own thing for a while. Mm-hmm. But it just kind of petered off. Yeah, it just kind of petered off. Right? You like you. 
honestly, if you say that name, no one's, you know, very few people are going to know. I'm going to say no one that's jacked up, right? Yeah. Mark Nelson's great. And he's well known in the industry, especially Ghost in the R and B space. Ghost writing a lot of songs or writing. A yeah. Lot of songs. So he's, he's done a lot of things, but that's one of the names that when I, you know, heard his voice, I was just like, Oh man, <laughs> you know, this guy is just going to be the thing for the next 20 years but it just never happened that way. So Mark Nelson is the, is the guy for me. And again, people didn't know he was part of boys to men before boys to men was boys to men. I downloaded his most recent album. Not great. And Mm -hmm. what I realized is, is that when he was popping, when he was like really on his game, like straight out of as yet, when he went solo. Yep. He was too early. Like he was full R. Kelly black panties type of lyrics about 20 years before that album came out. We weren't ready for that. We still kind of like, I still hate that. Like I, I, there's jokes and memes about it on the internet, like R and B back in the Bill Withers days versus R and B today, which is like extremely direct and not sensual and sexy whatsoever. Uh, I, I think that sucks, but that's just, I think that's just the influence of trying to be cool and trying to keep up with hip hop. But, uh, you know, you're hard pressed to find mainstream R and B artists that don't do that now. Right. Issa yeah. Ray has a new show called rap shit on HBO yep. max. I'm getting into it. I'm trying to, you know, every first episode is kind of like you're getting used to the characters and the flow and the, the tempo and the pace of the show. But I think it's coming from a place that's, that has a good heart where it's like, listen to kind of what we listen to listen to like what we're excited about. Like, what does that say about us? And is, and, and, and is that fair to even put that oh. on us? You know, that we care about that, but yeah. Um, Mark Nelson is a guy who put his marble down on the roulette wheel and it landed on the opposite color that he picked every time throughout his life. <laughs> like, Nope. Drop it yeah. out of boys to men. Oops. Boys to men made it. And uh, yep. <laughs> what did you say about Jimmy Jam and, and Babyface and everybody making their song? Damn. So then he waits a while. The dude sounds just like Sean Stockman when he sings. So that's a problem. Then he goes and gets as, as yet. He could make them into whatever you need to make them into. Yep. He was like the Chauncey Black of that group. And he leaves them. Oh, damn. I, my solo career yep. didn't go. <laughs> he, was, he thought he was going to be Justin Timberlake. Yeah, he just, and it, it just didn't, it didn't go that way. He wasn't that kind of, he didn't write those kind of songs. He didn't release those kind of songs. No, he didn't. And that, that was the challenge. I think he, he yeah. could have done well. He would have been phenomenal with boys to men, but then again, boys to men might not have ever hit or made it had he stayed in the group. So it's like, you never know, but you know, anyway, Mark Nelson's my guy on that list. I will go outside of those genres that we mentioned surprised that system of a down it's a rock group Mm -hmm. isn't viewed the way that metallica nirvana pearl jam or the smashing pumpkins are like the speed in which they play guitar was unbelievable their lyrics were as revolutionary as rage against the machine and the lead singer can sing and they just kind of had like they were successful, but it was like they never broke through. And I was always surprised they broke through um, on the flip side, on the flip side, who broke through where you're like, how, how is this still a thing? You know, I hate to put the, you know, some of the physical, these physical aspects of it you know but you i look it. at you love it you know and i was gonna say like and outside of music and in, into film right you look at um walking phoenix yeah walking right dope and you know great great actor right dope i mean like you know for a very long time but you know at the time when he's coming out i think he's potentially competing with an aesthetic that he doesn't fit mm-hmm. yeah right you know and it's just one of those where you know his talent I think was able to overcome that, you know, that aesthetic again, that wasn't what you saw coming up at the time. I mean, he's, you know, that, that slight split right there in the lip, you know? Yeah. 
is unheard of in on screen. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it's, we're, we're looking it's a, for, it's a, it's a surgery for a cleft lip, right? Yeah. But we're looking for perfect symmetry, right. In all of our leads, right. We're looking for this and that's, that's what you see all the time. And then here's, you know, Joaquin Phoenix coming through and he doesn't have that. And again, it doesn't surprise me that he is as phenomenal as he, you know, it's a skill, it's a talent and it's a talent people see, and he can produce over and over again. Right. It's, you know, there's consistency there, there's quality there, but again, it's just interesting because, you know, I, I don't know how many others you find like that. Yeah. Right. It, to me, it's almost like an anomaly in that you don't find it. So I think, you know, when I, I, again, when he was younger, I used to watch, you know, Joaquin Phoenix. And then as he's getting a little bit older, like there's certain parts that he plays where that seems to fit the part, you know, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, but outside of, and I can't even call him, you know, the villain, you know, like even in gladiator. Yeah. He's the villain, but he's not right. He's, there's something, oh, yeah. you know, he, he's a victim in his own right. Right. And then same thing with Joker, right. He's, not the villain. He's a victim in his own right. So it's like you find actors who have, you know, again, um, you don't have that perfect aesthetic mm-hmm. and they're often put into a villainous role. Right. But he's not always put into those roles. Yeah. So, you know, he's been able to transcend that. And I think it's amazing. I think it's awesome. Yeah. He, he's one of my favorites. He's, and he's been yeah. one of my favorites for a really long time where he broke through to me and, and transcended something. He went to another level somehow cause he was already great. And he went to like greater was when he did the documentary. I think it's called, uh, I was here or something like that. We could look that up. And or maybe have Elise look it up or something. I'm forgetting the name of the day. It was close to that title. Um, the fact that he was acting in that, unbelievable. I thought that whole thing was real. <laughs> and I think, as, I, to this day, I think parts of it are real. I think parts of it were, but it's this weird project where he went to this really crazy meta place and really went inside and it was nuts. And ever since he's done that, all of his performances are through the roof, like watching him and her where him and the cell phone fall in love was crazy. And You're right. Yeah. Um, obviously the Joker and Joker two is coming out soon, which um, I think that release date was, was released today. Yeah, I think it's you know what May twenty twenty four or something like that. Is I don't that, know. I got is... to I got to double check, but I mean, yeah, but it's twenty twenty four, right? It's not twenty twenty three. Yeah, yeah, it's maybe twenty twenty three. I don't know. Like, okay, I got to I got to check. check. Yeah, but it's going to be incredible, of course, because he's in it, and you know, it begs the question: Why do we? watch the films that we watch. Like, why do we watch what, what reasons do we choose to watch films? And it could be a useful exercise for, you know, independent filmmakers listening to this, independent creatives listening to this as they're creating story. Like, you know, what is it that we chip, uh, that we pick and choose as our criteria for watching a movie before you answer that, Nick, <laughs> my answer to the previous question is little Uzi vert. Okay, go. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a good question. And, you know, I think there's, you know, different phases in your life you go through that help determine what you watch. You know, it's like for me right now, I'm in, you know, daddy phase. And what I mean by daddy phase is that I've got younger children, right? So that you got to watch the movies that they want to watch. You know, Are you going to so, watch like, a porn with your son when he's 25. Is that <laughs> no, no, okay. it's not going to happen. <laughs> so I just, so I just, we just watched uh light year, right. Cause that's a, yeah, yeah, it's a yeah. movie wanna, that the family, that. Yeah. yeah, it's a movie that the family can watch together. Right. That's why we watch it. Right. So there's okay. this, there's the parent side of things where it's like, well, what are the things that you can do together as a family? And because, you know, my kids like watching movies, that's one of those things. Uh, the other thing that it really, 
that made me think about this uh, was there. I don't know. Do you ever watch AGT America's got talent? Um, the answer is no. And yes, no, I don't watch it. No, I don't know when it comes on anymore. Yep. Yes. I see updated clips because my kids bring me the clips to watch. There you go. There's yeah. Like so, yeah. So there was a recent, um, I think it was like a week, two weeks ago, I think mm-hmm. there was a group on there. I think they're called chapel heart and they sang this song that they, that they wrote uh, that was kind of a response to the whole Jolene song. Right. Yeah. Uh, Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton. And yeah. yeah, my wife was telling me about this. I was like, it's amazing. You know, they got the golden buzzer. Like it was just phenomenal. Right. Like you got to listen to the song. It's just the best. So, so we watched it and you know, we turned on, you know, YouTube and checked out AGT and I uh, saw this thing and I can see her looking at me, right. Like looking to see what my reaction is to this. Yeah. And I didn't really react much. I mean, I liked where they went with the song. But what I really noticed was that it was fake. Like the atmosphere was fake. And what I mean by this is that if you've ever seen any episode of recently of AGT, like Simon Cowell doesn't really talk a lot. You know, he kind of makes these little body motions and, you know, he'll make snide remarks here and there, but he doesn't really talk a lot, but he was talking a lot. Mm. He was asking a lot of questions. He was super interested in this little group. And then as I'm watching this, right, like the music seemed like a little bit louder than it does when other people are singing. Okay. The room was filled with the background music and the audience was, I mean, they were up on their feet within seconds of this song, right? I mean, they were (laughs) clapping and jumping up and they were, you know, taking the camera towards these people and you could see them. And it was just like, they were super excited in this two minutes. I was like, I've never seen this before, right? Either this is the best performance ever in the history of the show, or this is fake. So my first thing is this is fake, mm-hmm. right? Someone found them and brought them to Simon Cowell at some point, and he got them on the show and he hyped them up and, you know, they put the applause sign up and they told people when to stand up and they did all the things and they set it up to be bigger than it actually was. Yeah. So my wife's family, right? tells her about the thing and then she watches it and she's immersed in the thing. So I get it. And I kind of, I feel as though, but I feel as though I'm seeing through it. Right. I'm like, I'm not going to be tricked like you were, but she's like, what do you mean? Like it was phenomenal. I'm like, was it though? Or were you tricked into thinking it was phenomenal? Right. So it's like, and that had me really thinking about this, this idea of like, you know, why do we watch what we watch? We watch what we watch because it legitimately is of high quality or legitimately is something that we'd be interested in watching or do we watch it because, you know, we were told somehow that it's the thing to watch. So I'm really curious about that, you know, cause I, for me, like I said, I got my sniff test, man. I'm always kind of looking for that. I'm like, I'm not just going to watch it. Cause you said, Oh, the Oscar winning thing. I'm like, that's not a movie I would ever watch. Sorry. Yeah. Like, it's just not, I'm not going to watch it because you said that it's nominated for 15 Oscars. Like it's not the type of movie I watch. I'm not going to watch it. So I'm just curious, like, you know, kind of with the folks out there too, it's like, you know, why do you watch what you watch? Do you watch it because that all of that, you know, the sensationalism behind it. And, or do you watch it just because you're like, you know, there's certain things that I like that I'm interested in that I go for. What about you? I don't know if it's healthy to constrict yourself to, to a certain thing. Um, only, only because and, and look, there's a lot to dig into with what you just get a lot we can dig in pretty far on that. Yeah. But I don't know if it is because it's, it's almost as if saying you figured it out. And so I would, I would caution against anyone saying, this is what I watch. It's what I watch. It's what I'm interested in. Cool. Cause, cause then you're kind of blocked off from growth, but 
But I will say I agree with your assessment on this sort of hype of life and how programmed we are as a society to social credibility. Yep. I won't do business with you unless you have a website. I won't date you unless I can stalk you on social media and figure out who you are before I, you know, go on the date. Yep. I need testimonials (laughs) before I try your product. I need my two best friends to go with me before I commit to the CrossFit class. I mean, you name it, everything is social credibility. It precedes you. I'm not going to listen to your advice unless you tell me your Harvard MBA or Wharton MBA. I'm not going to put the camera on you and have you talk about a particular subject unless I know that you're a macro economist with advanced degrees or whatever, or a quant like we do this all the time. Uh, I'm, I'm going to listen to this guy, guy or gal's investment advice because they're rich. Well, first of all, what is rich, like rich compared to what? And then when I was growing up, I never, I knew, I didn't know any person that made more than $50,000 a year. So the idea that you might make $75,000 a year was like, you made it, bro. You got out of the, you got out of here. You did it. And now my perspective's completely changed right, yeah. on that. Right. Um, my business mentor, I thought he was ultra wealthy and I found out he was moderately wealthy. Right. Because it depends on where you came from. There's this whole, uh, pleasure concept, uh, that, that, um, uh, has been spoken about and written about a lot of times, which is, is it better? So I'll give you some examples of what I mean. Is it better to lose a, uh, or gain a dollar a day for a hundred days and then on day 101 lose all of it or to lose $100 in one day. And so <laughs> the answer is it's, 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 feels better to win a hundred days in a row, even though economically it doesn't makes no rational sense whatsoever. It ends if the you same. start, yeah. If you start at zero and you get to half a million, that's a better feeling than going from half a million to 10 million <laughs> or half a million to let's say a million, let's be fair, like a million. So if you mm-hmm. are, if you started at half a million and you went to a million, that doesn't feel very, that you don't get the same serotonin release as you would if you were dead broke and got to half a million. That's like, that's a good feeling. Like, even though it's the same thing, it's like, it's a one-to-one gain. And I think that's what social credibility kind of speaks to. It speaks to this, the emotional mind, the irrationality of the human mind and the choices that we make that aren't necessarily thought out or potentially are based on bad math or bias. And I guess the bias can go either way. Like you can say, I don't watch that because it's that, or I will watch that because it's that. And we just make these choices based on this stuff all the time. And we live in this world where when me and you go out to promote a movie, the first thing we need to do is get the social credibility on our side. How do we do it? We say, here's who's in it. Here's who wrote and directed it. Yep. Here are the reviews and how many stars. And then we show you the trailer in case you still don't believe us. And so I, I think like what, okay, I said that, but what's a better system? 
Yeah. And my thing is, is that with that example of AGT, like for me, of course, it was oversold, mm, but okay. I'm not necessarily knocking the hustle because it works. Right. And it didn't work there on me. No, well, the thing I you like the song, about AGT, but I wasn't, you know, in all these talent shows, sorry to interject, but, but I should just say yeah. this. There are no rules, bro. <laughs> okay. Well, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. They tell you, so they tell you there's a bunch of rules and like the winner gets this and this is how we decide the winner. It's all fair. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. But, it's but, in, in love and Hollywood. No, there are no rule. Like, like who's the arbitrator of their business that decides that the executives haven't already signed three of the acts and they already know which one's going to win. Right. Right. Oh yeah. I'm with you. That's what I'm saying. Who's, they're, they're, who's counting the text from the audience to say, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's who was chosen. Oh yeah. I know that. I know that. And that's, and what I'm, what I'm getting at is that, that level of engineering, you call it social engineering, you call it marketing, you call it whatever you want, Ooh, but social it works. I like that. It works. Right. I mean, that's the idea is that it works. Okay. It might not have worked on me. I'm a different type of person, but it works. Yeah. And in the filmmaking space, when we were, especially when we're talking to the independent filmmaking community, you got to understand that that's what you're competing against. If you're not doing it yourself. Yeah. Right is that there is social engineering happening. I, I will still tell you to this day, I'm like, Bruno is not that good of a song, bro. <laughs> like it's not, you yeah. want to talk about Bruno, whatever mm -hmm. we were, the kids were engineered, you know, someone came up with some agreements around that. Yeah. To get that out there and make it a thing. Right. So it's like, you gotta be part of that. You gotta, again, you can't go to the level that an AGT does. You don't have the resources as a filmmaker, but you have to consider that creating buzz right around your thing and getting some sort of social movement behind your thing. And then getting people to leverage word of mouth to share those things. Yeah. It is important. That is how the game is played. And I think when you look at, for me, looking at something like that, again, that's just, Again, it's like, um, you take it to the, to the nth degree where it's just so blatant and in your face because they can, yeah. it's just like, it's crazy. But again, that is the game that's being played, whether it's music, whether it's movies, you know, whether it's who knows, comic books, anything else, any kind of art, you got to build some sort of momentum around it. And sometimes you know, that that's kind of the fake it till you make it approach as well. You know, where it's just kind of yeah. like you, you put it out there, you make it seem like it's bigger than it is. And then it becomes that because people thought it was big, you know? So anyway, yeah. it's kind of like a nod to the filmmakers just to say that, Hey, that's the game that's being played around content. And you might want to consider how you play in that same game. Yeah. It's a show. It's, it's entertainment. Mm -hmm. It's a show and where they couldn't hook you was and, and people like you, cause look, here's the deal. I probably would have felt the same way. And yeah. what we have is experience. Yep. So we know when we hear something that is unbelievable, that deserves that type of response and when we hear something that's pretty run of the mill, even though it's good, that would not elicit that type of response. Right. And so where they, where they made the mistake is they just try to create a scene for the viewer. Like this is the thing, like this is going to yeah. be, <laughs> this is going to be really, really big. It's like, it's like getting anything forced on you and then you get there, you, you, you taste it or you buy it or you use it and you're like, it's all right. You know, yeah, and I hope this group lives up to the hype, bro. Yeah, like, and, that's all and, I gotta say. Yeah, like, well, people are gonna hate me for this hot chicken. <laughs> it's, it's it's all right. It's not yeah. like it can, matter of fact. If you get it outside of Nashville, it's terrible. It's terrible. It's at, like yeah. I, I was in I was in um, Marina Del Rey one time, and I was just up late at night. And I decided to go have a really late night dinner and cause I just hadn't eaten that whole day. I was working the whole day and 
what showed up on the menu? Nashville hot chicken. Nashville. They said it all. They said it? the word. Yeah. Nashville. So I was like, okay, let's get my mouth hot at 11 p.m. Yeah. So <laughs> I got it. It was literally like a Buffalo style chicken sandwich. Mm. I'm like, that's not, that's awful. It's awful. Like that is not it. Like take a trip to Nashville and figure it out. So I'm not being a hater. I like the hot chicken. I'm saying that if you come to Nashville and get it, you will stand in a line and you will wait a very long time and you will eat it and you will say, okay, I did that. (laughs) It's not like, you know, and that's, that's everything. There's another, uh, uh, there's a few places like that, that I've been to where it's like, okay, that was okay. And that's kind of what it sounds like this act was. I, and to be fair, I didn't hear it. I didn't, I'm going to watch it. I know you sent me the link. I'm going to watch it. I haven't Mm -hmm. seen it, but we know what it is. That's all I'm saying. Like we know I watched uh, the tiny desk with James Francis. Unbelievable. You don't have to do anything to understand that he's a virtuoso. You don't have to have a crowd there. You don't have to, he, he did it remotely in his house. Mm Mm-hmm. You don't have to have any externalities whatsoever. It is right there. That talent, that speed of play on the piano, that pacing, the voicing, it, you, you can't fake it. It's not for mass consumption because it's, it's too good for him. Yeah. And, and, but that's the thing is that, you know, again, bringing it back to that filmmaking space, we know that not every story, not every film is a virtuoso, right? Yeah. So sometimes you need to get, you know, 50 of your family members to stand outside, yeah. you know, and, oh, and, and queue up a line yeah. <laughs> yeah, to, to get the buzz around the thing. And I think that's it. That's all I want to say. I think that we don't just watch things because we like it and that's our thing. We, we are engineered, whether it's social engineering that's been done by a corporation you know, a business organization, or it's just that, like you said, there's social credibility associated with watching something that's associated with your family or your friends, your community, whatever it is, but that's it. And that's, that is part of the process. So, you know, just putting the art out there isn't enough. It's really, you got to get out there and, and let people know about it, bring people to it, have people share it, create a buzz around it, whatever you can do to, you know, to, to build something bigger around what you're doing so that people can take part in it. So that's it. Yeah, absolutely. If, if, if um, this whole conversation around sort of creating a show, creating a visual um, social engineering and how powerful it really is, I would recommend to anyone to go check out this man, his title is mentalist, but his name is Darren Brown. And, uh, he is unbelievable. He will, he will blow your mind. Um, he has a, um, I want to say he had a special on, um, Netflix and I, and I don't know if it's still on there, but it's called the push. And the push is one of the best pieces of documentary filmmaking I've ever watched. And Hmm. so Darren Brown's the push. If you want to see the power of social engineering and what people will do simply based on suggestion alone. And I think you can kind of get a sense of it just by hearing the word, the push, Um, but or the, or the title, the push. But before we get out of here, I also wanted to say to independent filmmakers to just about this idea of uh, just speak a little bit about this idea of relational success and how everything is related to another thing. So, for example, you can't say someone's tall unless you know what short is. Uh, You can't say someone's rich unless you know what poor is. Uh, you can't know something is moving slowly, uh, slowly unless something's moving quickly or faster than that. Right. So we only understand yeah. things as they relate 
to another thing. And because we do that to ourselves, uh, we put ourselves in a type of hell that is super unhealthy, especially in today's environment, because so much of what we see is, is false. And there are a lot of creatives that are like, I should be here already, or I should be any filmmakers. Like I should be, I should have a bigger name. I should have this much money. I should have this kind of notoriety. This is where I should be at this point. But who is that compared to? You know, sometimes you're in that Mark Nelson situation where mm-hmm. you're literally comparing yourself to someone who is taking over the world and you, you're like, oh, but, you know, is, is, is that a fair comparison for even him? So, you know, the, the thing is, is you have to get out of your own head in this day and age somehow, some way, because the constant comparison in the relational nature of the world has the power to keep you from creating and to keep you from moving forward and to keep you from being focused on your next step and constantly watching someone else's next step. I watched a uh, video that I shared with, with, cause I have two daughters that I share with my daughters, but I shared it with my son too. It's by live, live. I think her name's live, uh, Bovary or whatever. Well, she has a YouTube video anyway, and it talks yeah. about the apps that exist to make you beautiful. And she, to give an example, she took a bunch of pictures of herself, no makeup, hair messed up, straight out of bed. And the apps basically create a photorealistic animation of you if you were made up. And so a lot of the people you're comparing yourself to don't look like that. And they're not real. They're not real. <laughs> they don't sound like that. You yeah. can every, you know, I think it's fair to assume that everything you see online is to some degree altered so that it's a better presentation of whatever it is that individual is doing to Nick's point earlier about Hey, you know, you have to put on a show. It's very competitive. So it's just a double-edged sword is all I'm saying. So on one hand, know that everybody's put on the show so that they can do what they have to do as a creative, but know that you have to find a way not to compare yourself relative to what you think they're doing because they're might not, they're most likely aren't doing it. Um, yeah. And, and not to lose your sense of authenticity yeah. in the process of comparing yourself. Well, that's the most that's important thing. thing. Yeah. That's the most important thing. It's really difficult to figure out who you are as an artist and what you want to say. And one of the most um, you know, powerful things you can do as an individual and, and revelatory things you can do is recognize when you've been copying someone else your whole life (laughs) and you realize, Oh, that actually isn't me. Like, so, so then therefore who is me and who am I if I've sort of been emulating the style of someone who I thought was a good role model for what I wanted to do, you know, myself and for, um, you know, people like me and you, Nick, who get to sort of, for better or worse, critique other people's work. We see that a mile away. Like we see, Oh, this is just like such and such. Right. Oh, I see what they're trying to do. This is like that. And it's really hard to get to a place where what you make and what you do isn't like anything. It's like this. And when that happens, the line goes around the, the, the damn block. Yeah. I promise it's, you that. It's, yeah, I'm with you. It's, it's great so when you learn rare. from. Yeah, it's great when you learn from. It's bad when you're derivative of. Yeah. I think that's it. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, there are these people out there that do. There's so very few people 
And this is kind of, this isn't meant to depress. This is meant to inspire and, and, and be optimistic. There are actually so few individuals that are doing something unique. It's so hard to just do it like you would do it. You almost have to be woefully ignorant of the world around you. Yeah. Like there's a, <laughs> sometimes that's what it takes. Yeah. Like Amy Winehouse was a revelation and it wasn't 10 minutes before the competing labels found their own Amy Winehouse to try to compete in a saccharine way. Yep. They're, they've, they're still trying to replace Tupac. They can't find them. <laughs> yeah. No, they can't, can't find the, they, they can't <laughs> find the guy. They, they yeah. you know, um, uh, you know, every rapper from 2010 forward, for example, is somehow derivative of Drake, in my opinion. All the mumble rappers, all the emo rappers, all that stuff came from Drake. Oh, that, all of it came oh, that, from Drake. Yeah. 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 And they're all that, and then if I hear, if I hear another little man, all the littles came from Lil Wayne and all yeah. of them have shit on their face and, and yep. like they're going to copy each other on. with that. And it's just like, it's like, like what's the thing to do? Well, that's the hard make part. The money right. and to, that's the, yeah. exactly, but that's the hard part. That's why it's hard to be authentic is because we're, we're kind of expressing our woes here. But all of those people we just mentioned are successful. All the derivatives you yeah. just mentioned are successful. So it's hard not to copy and do the same thing in hopes that you can be the next, right? As, a, as opposed to being the first. Yeah. So like, I, I, told, I get it. It's hard. It's hard, but it's, there's this value in it. I think there's value in the life lived when the life is lived in authenticity, right? You may not necessarily see the fame and all that, which is what many of us want. Right. But at the same time, there's just, you can impact a lot of people's lives just by being you. Yeah. Like you think about a Lauren Hill or you think yeah. about a Dave Chappelle. Well, there's never been another Wyclef. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you still, you're still waiting for Wyclef. That's not going to happen. It's not going to happen easily either. I'm I'm not going to front and be like I'm the biggest Wycliffe Jean fan in the world. I just I'm not. Yeah. But I but I get yeah. that he's one. But, I get that he's one of one. Um, you know, you can be an original and your art suck, and then it doesn't matter that you're original, or your art be <laughs> or your art be, you know, off timed, if you will. Like yeah, like there there's a randomness to the world that is, is, uh, is, is very unfair. It's a, it's, it's an untamed sort of entropy that, that exists in the world that no one can track and no one can explain, you know, why was your friend standing there to get his leg broken while the other player wasn't? That's right, right. randomness yeah. mm -hmm. or it appears it may be not be random, but it may appear it random. Appears. Yeah, yeah. Um, why, you know, why did certain people buy Bitcoin in 2013 and others just didn't? And, and the rest is like history or like the, just like right. all these things. A lot of times when you meet someone who is ultra successful, one or two things happened. Uh, they were prepared for their opportunity with their talent and they knew someone or they were in the right place at the right time and took total advantage of that situation. Like when it happened and it was totally random, it was totally random. So a good example is a casting, a casting uh, room or a casting call. So, there's a new part. It's going to be a big role. And you have 40 people in the waiting room waiting to act. Right, Nick? Okay. And the casting director's in there, the director's in there, and the producers are in there. And they're, waiting, they're watching every performance. Well, earlier that day, the producer was at a local coffee shop 
let's say the alcove in California, my favorite spot, <laughs> right? Let's, or one of my favorite spots. Uh, they were there and they had this great conversation with this girl named um, Amanda Bryant. Okay. And he's been thinking about Amanda all day. Can't wait to go back and talk to her again. It might be love. He really had a connection. Mm. Okay. And then the actor comes in, she comes in to do her part and her name's Amanda. And all of a sudden, Amanda's acting really well. I really like the way Amanda handled that role. So you don't know what happened earlier that day or in someone's life where right. you stuck yeah. out. And now all of a sudden you are the next superstar actor or actress, you know, in the movie industry. And then the, the other 39 people that were waiting for you are all serving, you know, light roast. And it was just chance. Yeah. You walked into the right yeah, room right. with that person's right experience. And so all I can say is try not to try, try not to, to fall into the trap of relativity. Keep going because you never know when you're going to stumble into the randomness we just talked about for good, but just understand that you could also stumble into it in the, in the most negative way potentially possible. You could be the person that gets the broken leg, but just know that that is sort of the march of the creative. And so even when you, so did, did his leg heal, Nick? Yeah, it did. That's, okay. that's funny. He's like, so you know, you, you could walk into it in a positive way, or it could be really, really bad. It could you know? be. Yeah. But I think that's what we have to understand. We have to be honest and say, look, there is a randomness at play. There's a lot you can do to take control, but don't be a fool about it. Because there is randomness at play. There are people who just, you know, their talent. Everyone in that room can act. That's why they were in the room. Yeah. To say this, you know, if you, for me, what it made me think of is like, don't hang your head just because someone else is holding their head high. Because yeah. you have no clue, right? How that happened, how long it will last, you know, yes. what the circumstances were around it. Just do you be authentic. Can, if you have a passion for this thing we call film that we're involved in or music or any other art, you know, just keep, keep doing your thing, um, find your stage, find your audience. Um, and I think you'll be good. I think you'll live, you'll, you'll have a, a life well lived regardless of, you know, which stage you choose. Yeah. Yeah. And you see it everywhere you go, Nick, like everywhere you go, like is Jim Cramer, the best investor in the world or is he charismatic and a great communicator yeah. and high energy for TV? He's good for ratings. He's bad for your portfolio, right? Like, <laughs> like it's not always that they're even good at what they're doing. It's that they bring something else. They bring something else. That group on AGT, did it help that they were black country singers? I think so. That's a great thing. Cause we haven't seen it outside of Kane Brown. Yep. And Charlie yep. Pride and maybe Darius, but he's a convert. <laughs> Still my favorite True. is Darius. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you know, that's, 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 that's all. Sometimes we just want different and it's about something else. So, um, keep fighting the good fight. Indie creatives. I, you, you know, Nick and I will for sure. Uh, this is fun. Nick, yep. Always man. We did it's it. Good, dude. You brightened my spirits on you know, what was, a, uh, a, a genuinely uh, tough week, uh, yep. tough day. And there's so much more even behind it than just this. And so I'm so thankful for this audience and thankful for you uh, for making this happen and, and hopping on with me. Uh, if you want to reach out to us, you can do that in a variety of ways. www.bonsai.film is the primary way. But you can also email us at contact at bonsai.film. That's B-O-N-S-A-I dot film. You can reach out to Nick via email at Nick at bonsai.film. And you can find me on Twitter at Flaming Your Heart on Twitter. Or you can just search for my name, Christopher Barkley. That's the whole name. 
maybe Chris Barkley, but probably Christopher can do that. <laughs> Christopher. And I will come right up from there. You can catch us on social. We're on Facebook. We're on TikTok. We're on YouTube uh, as Bonsai Creative on Instagram and Twitter. You can find us at underscore. That's that little line. Underscore <laughs> Bonsai Creative. And uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't tell you about Industry Insights. Uh, our Indie Insights, I should say, which is our bi-weekly newsletter. We're in love with this thing. We're so excited that everyone has uh, been so receptive to it. All you need to do to join that, and it's free, is go to bonsai.film forward slash newsletter. You can also support this podcast and all the great work we're doing every single day to bring information and entertainment to you, uh, the indie film audience, at bonsai.film forward slash truefans. Donations and support for us uh, through True Fans is only five dollars. It starts at five dollars. That's the cost of that light roast I just mentioned uh, a couple of uh, minutes ago. And with that, Nick, will you provide us with the credo? Uh oh, of course, I will. <laughs> so, friends, family, filmmakers out there, as always, be better, be creative be engaged and thank you for listening nick talk to you soon yeah man we'll do it again bro all right man peace yep take it easy Laters. later hey gang one more thing before you go i want to talk to you about indie insights indie insights is our bi-weekly newsletter and love note to the film industry movies and the creatives that make them not to mention you our esteemed listeners inside you'll find curated industry trends articles exclusive commentary and underappreciated films from filmmakers like you worldwide and the best part is that it's completely free so Join today at www.bonsai.film. It just takes a few seconds, and once you sign up, you'll get the very next newsletter. It's that simple. Go to www.bonsai.film to get Indie Insights, our bi-weekly newsletter, and join a network of film creatives like yourself. And don't worry, we'll never sell your information or spam you with a bunch of nonsense emails, just the bi-weekly film industry goodness you need. And if you ever tire of Indie Insights, we hope not, but if you do, simply unsubscribe. No gimmicks, no games. So one more time, go to www.bonsai.film to get Indie Insights for free. And thank you for listening.